Have you heard the one about the two guys walking through a field? Okay, great. So one day, Ryan and Chris were walking through a field when they spotted an enraged bull. Instantly, they dashed toward the nearest fence that they could find while the bull chased after them in hot pursuit. It was soon apparent that they weren't going to make it to safety. And so Chris hollered to Ryan. He said, send up a prayer, Ryan, or we're done for. I can't, Ryan replied. I've never prayed in public before. But you just gotta, he said. He's catching up to us. All right, all right, all right, Ryan said. I'll pray the only prayer I know. It's the one that my dad would pray around the table before dinner. Oh, Heavenly Father, for what we are about to receive, make us truly thankful. Amen. Yeah, it's uh, going to be that kind of morning. But I'm really glad that you have tuned in to spend some time with us. In our time together today, I'd like to share with you the state of the hills in 2020. If you have to leave early or a sudden bout of narcolepsy strikes you, um, I can sum everything up for you in about eight words. The state of the hills is this. We are blessed, and so we should be thankful. We are blessed, and so we should be thankful. I don't need to tell you that 2020 has been a really, really challenging year on a lot of fronts. Back in January, I I told you that, that we were headed to Miami Beach. Remember, Miami Beach kind of represented this, this idea, this culture, this kind of position that our church was taking, that we were going to be the kind of people who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Well, 75 days in, everything changed. Ten weeks into the year, the entire world was caught up in a global pandemic. And for the first time in Lincoln Hills history, the church doors stayed closed on a Sunday morning. There was no need to brew coffee. The halls were quiet. The lights stayed off. The parking lot was empty. We were in uncharted waters, and the waters only seemed to get choppier. So I met the Lord in silent prayer. I said, Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, can Webby go back to being the boss? Amen. I mean, really, uh, with the doors to the church essentially closed and many businesses shutting up as well, our finance team met and we discussed some really uncomfortable projections. Um, Like it or not, you know, the church, um, we, we operate, you know, as a church, but there are also like, there's a business aspect to what we do. We've got bills to pay. We've got obligations to meet. We've got commitments to honor. Needless to say, we had no idea what to expect moving forward, and it was hard to even come up with an educated guess. We ran through scenarios where we were receiving 50% of our uh, weekly offerings, and we were asking ourselves, how, can, how long can we operate like this? I do vividly remember Tom Tucker, our sage old E.F. Hutton kind of figure, speaking up in our meeting, and he said, look, guys, everything's going to be fine. Our church family will support this ministry. We don't need to panic. And Tom Tucker was 100% right. We paid every bill on time. We met every obligation and honored every one of our commitments. 
Some of you even gave your stimulus checks to help other church members who were struggling. You wrote the staff letters and you, you mailed us little notes, and we really needed it. It was a very stressful time. You see, for so long we've wanted to create the kind of culture around here in which people just love getting together and spending time with one another. And then in the, in the middle of this construction of, of this kind of culture, we're told, no, you've got to tear it down. You can't meet together anymore. You need to find another way to do life, at least for a season. That's a very discouraging place to be. And, and you guys supported us and you supported one another fantastically. The pandemic forced us to be creative. We'd started simulcasting the sermons uh, early in January. But once the shelter-in-place order was given, we opted to go ahead and begin including the worship elements of the service uh, as well. And I really probably don't need to tell you that those early days were pretty rough. Believe it or not, it takes a lot of thoughtful planning, uh, excellent communication, and some pretty expensive equipment to pull off what some of the larger churches are, ever, are, are, are able to offer their, their members uh, we did the best that we could with what we had. We learned a lot along the way, oftentimes through making some pretty silly mistakes. Some of our broadcasts were hard to watch. But we weren't going to let our ignorance stop us from meeting you right where you were. For four nights a week, for more than two months, we offered... Uh, Bible studies to try to maintain a sense of connection with you as well as a sense of, of normalcy. Not only that, we wanted to flood Facebook with positive messages rather than some of the negative stuff that was so prevalent then. In early May, we started meeting in person again, uh, but we had added a service so that everyone could spread out a little bit more. We began using prepackaged communion elements and avoided passing things out so that we wouldn't spread our germs. In between the services, we spray uh, disinfectant on the chairs and we try to keep the traffic flow going the same direction. Um, and then we've encouraged folks to spend time with one another and fellowship outside. None of this has been con convenient or, or easy, but by and large, you guys have helped out and you've done your part and you've made the best of a less than ideal situation. At the Hills, we are blessed and we should be thankful. Last month, we made some changes in our staffing. Alex Smith, who had been doing student ministry, he took a position working with his father. And so uh, Keegan Livers stepped into the, the student ministry. And then we hired Tina Morton and Jennifer Baker to uh, serve the children and their families in the children's ministry. At the beginning of this month, uh, we reopened Safetyville during the 1030 hour, and we've had more kids in the children's ministry every single week. Jennifer and Tina have planned lessons and activities designed to help those kids fall in love with the real Jesus, while at the same time practicing uh, the social distancing requirements. Those ladies have done an absolutely tremendous job, and I couldn't be happier with uh, the way we've opened the children's ministry. With all that said, I would be lying to you if I told you that 2020 has been enjoyable. 
Maybe uh, you're like most people and you're just counting down the days to another year. You're longing for a clean slate and hoping that 2021 will offer us some relief. If this sounds like you, I believe that God has something important for us to hear this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17. And as we explore this passage, uh, I want to draw your attention to three things. First, the number of thankful men, the posture of the thankful man, and lastly, the question of the perfect man. Verse 11 begins this way. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. What I kind of want to do with this passage is I want to go back through and I want to look at each verse independently and make some uh, what I think are important uh, observations. So, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As we read this passage, we need to keep in mind that Jesus is on the final leg of a trip that began way back in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. But this particular journey had been planned since Genesis chapter 3 at humanity's fall when Adam and Eve chose their will over God's. You see, Jesus is a man on a mission. He is walking with a purpose. The cross is before him and he is in hot pursuit. Verse 12, as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. And they stood at a distance because they weren't allowed in the village itself. They were outcasts. They were misfits. They were untouchable. And they were, in fact, doing what the Old Testament had prescribed that they do. In Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, the Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to send away from the camp anyone who has a defiling skin disease or a discharge of any kind, or who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead body. Send away male and female alike. Send them outside the camp so that they will not defile their camp where I dwell among them. Can we just stop right there? Can we just pause and keep in mind that these are real people living at a real time and they have real relationships and these relationships are shattered. Can we just pause to consider the shattered relationships that exist because of these men's illness? Honestly, it's probably something that's a whole lot easier for us to do now that we've been through a global pandemic, right? I mean, we've probably all known someone who's had to quarantine for 14 days. We've probably all known someone who's spent time in the hospital. I've done several uh, funerals this year that only allowed family members who were um, immediate family to be there, to grieve, to, to mourn, to pay their, their last respects. But death hasn't been the only tool that COVID-19 has used to shatter relationships in 2020. We've got maskers and anti-maskers. They've written each other off in alarming numbers. You know, we call each other names sheep and fear mongers or anti-science grandma killers. Few things can shatter relationships like an illness. And these men knew all about that. But the greatest sickness to ever plague 
mankind to ever plague humanity is sin. The haunting fact is we rarely take our sin as seriously as the sins we see in others. We're sick, and that's a fact that we don't often consider, especially in our haste to heal those around us. But these sick guys in Luke chapter 17, they were smart enough to ask Jesus for what we really need the most. The NIV uses the word pity. This is the Greek word eleo. It's most often translated mercy or compassion. This is the same word that Matthew used in chapter 5 verse 7 when Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive eleo, mercy. Those guys were pitiful, and they were sick. And like us, they they were broken. And more than anything else, they needed mercy from Jesus. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. These sick lepers were healed as they obeyed Jesus' instruction. We, We can't overlook the significance of what Luke says right here. It seems super clear that these men weren't healed on the spot in Jesus' presence. These sick men were cleansed as they obeyed Jesus' command and sought out the priest as prescribed in the Old Testament. Now now think about this for, for just one second. How reckless, how crazy, how foolish would it be for, for us to gather and settle for hearing the word of Jesus or knowing the word of Jesus without being transformed by imitating the ways of Jesus. The undeniable fact is those men were cleansed as they applied Jesus' words to their lives. You can believe something mentally and you can confess it audibly, but until you obey it wholeheartedly, you won't really be changed. As we look at verse 15, I want you to make a mental note of the, uh, the number of thankful men. Okay, verse 15 says this, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. Doesn't this kind of break your heart? I mean, the number of thankful men is one in ten. The tiniest possible fraction. Every one of these men had had their lives changed for the good. They were freed by Jesus from a physical, relational, spiritual curse. And they were given the opportunity to experience restoration and reconciliation with their families and their friends and those whom they were closest to in the most dramatic way conceivable. And yet one of ten appreciated it enough to say thanks. J. Vernon McGee makes an interesting observation. He says, about the only thing we can truly give God is our thanksgiving. You ever thought about that? I mean, let's be honest. Your money is really God's money. He can take it from you literally at any time he wants. Your time is really God's time, and only he knows how much of it you actually have. What McGee is kind of saying is your love expressed to God in thankfulness, it's really about all that we have to offer the God of the universe. These men were so richly blessed, but they were nowhere to be found. 
Now I want you to note that one man's posture and demeanor. Verse 15 goes on. It says, One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. This guy, this Samaritan, he came back praising. He wasn't quietly humming to himself. He was praising loudly. Why? Because his whole life had just been changed. He'd been healed. He could go home. He'd been restored. And then he threw himself at Jesus' feet. This is the ultimate sign of humility and submission. Let me ask you, when was the last time you threw yourself on the ground? When was the last time your face was on the ground and it it was pushed so tightly into the carpet that you had carpet fibers so far up your nose that you could almost feel them in the back of your skull? thanking God for acting on your behalf, for cleansing you, for making a way for you to come home, for restoring you? When did you last thank God for keeping you from contracting COVID-19 or, or for thanking Him for helping you or a loved one beat it? When was the last time we thanked God that gas was $2.12 and not $4.12? When was the last time that we thanked God that we could still go to Walmart and get frozen burritos or chicken nuggets while people on the other side of the world are starving to death? When was the last time that we thanked God that we had running water in our house while people in other places made in God's very image are drinking out of filthy rivers and stagnant ponds? When was the last time we threw ourselves to the ground, overcome with gratitude because God has protected us and provided for us? Lincoln Hills family, we are blessed and we should be thankful. You may be watching this message this morning and your life might look like one of those lepers. Maybe you're not wasting away on the outside, but on the inside you hurt and you hurt really, really badly. This year's been hard and maybe you've lost a loved one or maybe you've lost a job or maybe you've lost a dear friendship. Perhaps You took a job and nothing is going the way that you intended it. Maybe you're looking at the calendar and you're praying that the new year will bring you some relief and the curse of 2020 will finally end and you'll finally have something to be thankful for. But the simple truth is this. If Jesus has cleansed us of our sin, if we've accepted him as our Savior and been buried with him in baptism, if he's taken away our sin sickness, we have every reason to be thankful right now. There will be seasons of frustration and uncertainty. There will be years like 2020 that are full of anguish and despair. But if Jesus is in his rightful place in our lives, If he is the sovereign king over our universe, these seasons won't seem so dark and the despair not nearly so deep. Finally, this brings us to the question of the perfect man. Verse 17, Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. The Samaritan, the the foreigner, was the one that we would least expect 
to appreciate being healed by a Jewish rabbi. He likely wasn't a good church-going guy like the Jewish lepers had been. He probably didn't make trips to the temple. He probably didn't read the Old Testament. Yet there he laid at the feet of his healer. Nine out of ten were too caught up in life, too caught up in their good fortunes, too caught up in the moment to say thanks. Let's not be so naive to believe that Jesus asked this question because he doesn't already know the answer. He asks it, and Luke records it for our benefit. You see, it's, it's easy for us to say, how could those lepers be so short-sighted, so preoccupied, so undisciplined? As a doctor, Luke was likely really, really familiar with the human condition, and he probably understood what we are afraid to admit, and that is this. Too often, we are more like the nine than the one. And so I would just encourage you in every season, in every situation, in every circumstance, remember what Jesus has done for you and be sure to be thankful. One final little bit of nerd gold that I would submit to you this morning can be found in verse 19 where Jesus says, your faith has made you well. You see, the Greek word used here is sozo, and it's translated healed or made well three times in the New Testament. But the other 102 times that it appears, sozo is translated made whole or saved. Here's why I think this matters. You see, on that day, 10 lepers were healed by Jesus, but only one was made whole, saved by Jesus. So how about you? Is Jesus just the guy that you met somewhere along the road in your past? Did you happen upon him during a rough season and and he made you feel good about yourself? Did it last? Were you satisfied with him simply changing your circumstances, you know, the circumstances in, in your life, without changing your life itself? That's the story of nine men in Luke chapter 17. Their circumstances changed, but they didn't. How sad for those guys, and how sad for us. We are blessed, and we should be thankful. Even in years like 2020, if we have Jesus, we have a reason to be thankful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to walk faithfully with him. Help us to listen to your Holy Spirit And help us to be the kind of people who see others the way that you do. Help us to be determined to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Help us not waste away our days looking forward to to the future. Help us to seize the present and redeem it for your glory. We love you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.